1: This week's Major Spoilers podcast goes out to the following fine and faithful. Spoiler acts Ray Arvid Gregerson, George Mumbert, John Luckett, Jason Fowler, Courtney Phillips, Robert Taylor, Justin Higgins, Bart
2: Swarm, Jared, Ward, Colin Principal, Andrew Fry, Jeanette Briggs, Andreas Ditch, Robert Carter, Darius Malloy,
1: and the Temptations of Eve. We want to thank each and every one of you and each and every one of them because this one goes out today. The Major Spoilers Podcast covers news, reviews, and of course, spoilers, and goes into details about the topics discussed.
3: So, if you haven't read, listened, or watched the items we talk about, you might want to come back later. I'm Matthew. I'm Zach. I'm Rodrigo. And I'm Stephen, and you're listening to the Major Spoilers Podcast, the podcast for pop culture and comic fans.
1: Kids, in the summer of 2006, your bald uncle Stephen came to me and he said, Hey, do you still know how to write? And I said, no. And he taught me how. And that's the story of how I met your major spoilers. You see, the universe has a plan. And sometimes it takes you places. Sometimes it takes you to the West Coast. You never know. But most importantly, I should have married Victoria. And I'm an idiot for not doing it. Because the Major Spoilers Podcast is on the air.
3: Welcome to issue 545 of the Major Spoilers Podcast. Thank you for downloading. And thank you. For sharing this podcast with a friend, we really appreciate everyone who is uh, going into their comic book shop and spreading the major spoilers love all around. Telling people to uh, download the show or just passing it off on their, uh, you know, the magical touch of your MP3 devices.
4: I, I guess that's gross. I guess
3: you just tap them yeah. together. You bump your MP3s and it transfers over.
5: Oh no. no, use protection before you
3: bump. That's your MP3s. Galaxy
1: S7s and those.
3: Let us get to America. some news. So, uh, beware the Batman yank from the Cartoon Network schedule. X-Men Days of Future Past trailer has arrived, or Captain America, the Winter Soldier trailer is now live, and we can check it out. Let's spin that Wheel of Destiny, see where it lands. Oh no! Breaking news! <gasps> DC Comics moving to California. This, uh, this in, actually later this afternoon, or late uh, this afternoon of this recording, by the time many of you hear it, it'll be a uh, news several hours old. Um, the uh, bleeding cool had indicated that uh, they had heard rumors that DC comics was going to go ahead and relocate the entire operation uh, to the West coast. And then it was later within about 30 minutes confirmed from uh, Diane Nelson, who's the head of a DC entertainment. She says, I can confirm that plans are in the works to centralize DC's operations in 2015 Next week, the exec team will be in New York for a series of meetings to walk everyone through the plans to relocate the New York operations to Burbank. The move is not imminent, and we will have more than a year to work with the entire company on a small transition for all of us personally and professionally. The report goes on to say, or the uh, email that went out to uh, everyone on the D.C. team says, Everyone in New York will be offered an opportunity to join the Burbank Colleagues, And those details will be shared with you individually. The plan is to move everything in 2015. What do you think there,
4: Rodrigo? I think that sounds like something normal that happens in companies that have enormous parent companies. Yeah? So no
3: surprise for you.
4: Not really. I mean, I I guess it is surprising. It's actually a little surprising that it took them this long. I mean, DC or or Warner Brothers has owned DC for more than for a decade. Yes, more than forever. A thousand thousand years. So I'm surprised that it's taken them this long, which, you know, you can read a lot into it, but I don't don't really see much other than finally enough people got tired of forwarding stuff to New York. (laughs) And they're like, you know what, let's just move them here. Matthew, do you have any reaction
3: to
1: this news? I think that, you know, as Rodrigo said, it's something that should not be unexpected if you're working for a national mega conglomerate. If you have a company of this size, I think that it's understandable. When you look at the comic industry, having been in New York, D.C., having been in New York, essentially, in one incarnation or another, going back to the late 30s, it's probably one of those things that's going to come across as shocking or strange to people who, you know, really look at the industry and say, well, this is always the way we've done it. But I think always the way we've done it may actually be part of the problem. So... I think it it could be a good thing. It should be a good thing. Worst case scenario, you know, these days you can send somebody the uh, PDF of your work like ten minutes later. So, Zach, any reaction?
5: Um, not really to the move. I think it's interesting that she uses the language. Uh, everyone will be offered an opportunity to join, uh, which reading into it kind of seems like uh they're expecting people to not move with it. Well,
3: and I think that's the case with any any company <laughs> sure. that moves. I mean, there's been talk of a uh, a local company here uh about relocating from further east to further west mm-hmm. and I know that there are people who have said, "Look, if you guys move even 35 miles, right. I'm not joining sure, this sure. uh I'm not joining this this group." So, it's not uncommon to say, "Hey, you want to move right. from New York? the place of tall skyscrapers and whatnot out to the vast, rolling, lush, <laughs> warm environment yeah. of sunny Los Angeles. With,
5: with Marvel being located in New York, though, it would open the gates, it would seem, for DC people to make a move over to Marvel, possibly. Well, if they
3: if they had some openings. And sure. certainly there's going to be a lot of people that say, hey, I've got roots here. Mm-hmm. I'm 10th generation New Yorker. I'm not going to move. Screw yeah. that LA lifestyle. Um, I, I I think... I guess for me it doesn 't really come as a surprise because when they announced the co editors of uh, Jim Lee and Dan Dedio and Jeff mm-hmm. Johns as the um, chief creative officer and Diane nelson as the um, as the head of everything d c entertainment and Jim and Diane and Jeff were all west Coasters, and you have Dan Dedio and jeff Johns East Coast, I think it was kind of writing on the wall that we're going to eventually get to this transition. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think with the commitment from Warner Brothers to move forward with their properties more than what they've had before, um, the move makes sense. Now, why were they in New York for so long? Well, because for the longest time, DC is just that thing over there that Time Warner owns and they're not causing a big to-do. And the last movie really tanked. And then they start uh, rebooting the Batman franchise and the Superman franchise and realizing that there's billions of dollars to be made. So it makes sense to bring it all together if they're going to mm-hmm. using Matthew's favorite word synergize. Um, synergy. Then it's going to have to That is to, not my favorite word by the <laughs> way. It's, it's going to have to work.
5: Hey. So uh hated. are you are you think, thinking more uh, comic ties into the movies and animated shows or still well, so individual storylines or mash mash them all together? To be
3: honest, um this is a good exit strategy for Dan to deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a, some talk about why would you have two um,
4: co-editors, yeah, co-editors and chiefs uh,
3: and people were predicting that this was part of the move to either to deal retiring or leaving or whatever. But this seems like a good exit strategy for him if he wanted to get out of the company now. Um, but maybe he's not. I mean, I'm just speculating here, mm-hmm. uh, but it would be a good time to, hey, we're moving. I think I'll stick around. Yeah. Um, but, you know, with this push to try to do a Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, Flash, Justice League movie, and build all that stuff up, it makes sense that you're going to want to have some creatives close by. Mm -hmm. One of the nice things, I guess, um, about having DC and Marvel and Archie and all these others located in and around New York City is it allowed you to do some camaraderie between uh, the competition, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And of course, for years, Matthew, the DC and Marvel have had their two softball teams and have battled one another mm-hmm. during the summer. Uh, At used one to point, be,
1: they were right across the street from each other, in
3: fact. Well, and in, in many cases, you had writers for both companies living in the same apartment together and sharing story ideas and seeing those stories make magical, uh, unannounced uh, crossovers in in the comics. <laughs> which one? Hey, which the one
1: existence was? of, of the, the heroes of Angor... And the Squadron Supreme may or may not be related to such a conspiracy. No one can confirm or deny except for the people who have confirmed. And
3: yeah, so, I mean, there's those kinds of things that I think will be lost. But to be honest, there are so many of these exclusive contracts still going around that. And so many conventions going on that the ability to not interact with your fellow comic creator, I think, would be rather difficult.
4: It's got to be it's got to have something to do with Aquaman. (laughs) I <laughs> just, mm-hmm. just want to be closer to,
3: San, to, Diego. Be closer to San Diego. <laughs> Any other reactions to this? Uh,
1: I I really don't think it's going to be the problem that it could have been even ten years ago. I mean, if you look at who are the who are the writers right now, I know Matt Fraction writes for Marvel and Image and did some stuff for DC. He lives in Oregon. Yeah, I mean, it is possible right, to live right. in in you
3: well, know, gail kansas. simone doesn't live in new york i mean we've got comic mm, right. creators like uh um what's his name um this robin artist for a long time um crap now i forget his name um, he's up in it. he's up in kansas city there's a lot of can- uh, creators in kansas city a lot of creators yeah. up in the pacific northwest i mean chris roberson yeah. moved his family up there texas i mean they're all over and in an electronic yeah. age and this is one of the reasons why i moved from california to here in electronic age you know you don't have to go to the mountain. The mountain can come to you, mm-hmm. and I can uh, communicate and run a business very effectively. You have to download the mountain. Yes, exactly. And with this high-speed uh, fiber internet, I can do that in about 4.8 seconds.
1: Yeah, if, if you get one of those laser printers, you can actually just make a new mountain when you need it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
3: So I don't see this as a, as a huge big deal. I think for business purposes, um, it'll be a good idea, um, especially if they've already got office space in Burbank. Um, it'll save them a crap ton of money and rent in New York City. Yeah,
4: if they, well, then again, rent is very expensive in Burbank. Can be, but
3: that's what I'm saying. <laughs> if they already have the offices yeah, yeah. established yeah. like they do, then shouldn't be that big of a deal. So, but I know that there are going to be a number of people who are going to be out of a job.
4: All the all the studios have deals anyway. They're probably just going to set them up in Universal City in the back lot, mm-hmm. probably, yeah. but at, at the Warner back lot, not yeah. the Universal back lot. No, no, no. Oh, like Universal, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're not doing anything right now with it.
1: I'm, uh, I'm, I'm expecting that you know, if if they're saying, "Hey, want to move to Los Angeles," they might say something like, "Hey, want to move to Los Angeles? Here's you know our ideas on helping to pay for such a thing."
3: Well, and I'm sure that that's going to you know? yeah, be part of the yeah, uh, that's going to be part of the agreement. I'm sure, but I just I just know that you know when you say you're given the opportunity that it's not going to be forced upon people, and people will make the to- choice to say. My roots are New York. I want to live in New York. I want to live in the center of the universe. So I'm just going to stay here, and I'll look for jobs somewhere else.
4: I think though a lot of a lot of the people that will do that, I would imagine, are going to be the less uh, less on the creative side of things, Probably. and more on the structural side of things.
3: Yeah, I guess it depends on on what you're doing. Because I know a lot of the um, uh, the animated comic stuff and some of that. Uh, DC behind the scenes stuff was done in New York and animated mm-hmm. in New York. And of course, mad magazine for mm-hmm. years and decades and centuries has been there in New York. Right. Um, so it actually be, predates New York. Yes. Predates New York <laughs> back when it was still new Amsterdam. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 Um, so, uh, yeah, good luck to uh, DC and I hope the move is successful. You can read and comment and make more, uh, Predictions about what's going on at DC Crunchy. over at Majorspoilers.com. I like this uh, comment from Kirby. If the creative types of comments can be more involved with the uh, adaptations because of this, it could be a good thing. You can go over and share your thoughts over at Majorspoilers.com. While you are over there, there are only a few more days left in the Major Spoilers costume contest. Enter, enter, enter. I had right. about seven more entries today. you got like two days to get your stuff in. Yeah. Oh, man. Do it. We want this to be big. Big, 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 big,
1: big. big, big enormous. The Barney Roll guy. Also, uh, I wanted
3: to uh, welcome into the Major Spoilers Podcast uh, Network, uh, the Magic Minute Podcast. Rodrigo, what is the Magic Minute Podcast?
4: The Magic Minute is a usually one minute long podcast about basic uh, Magic the Gathering concepts. So um, the podcast takes one minute to explain something like converted mana cost Mm -hmm. or what a permanent is or Mm -hmm. something like that. If you sit down and you listen to all of them in order, you will have a pretty good grasp on the basics of magic.
3: Yeah, this one is scheduled to come out because it's so short. Right now we're looking at three times a week, so you should see it come out on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday uh, over at Majorspoilers.com. You can also find it in the Major Spoilers Podcast Network Master Feed. So if you haven't subscribed to that through iTunes or the RSS feed or however the Stitchers or the Bubbles or whatever that you're getting your iTunes uh, music and MP3s from... um, Subscribe to it because not only in the Major Spoilers uh, Podcast Network Master Feed, not only do you get all of the shows that we produce, but you also get The Magic Minute and you also get Wayne's Comics Podcast, which comes out every Sunday morning. So mm-hmm. there's something out there for everyone as we try to grow Major Spoilers. Speaking of podcasts, Rodrigo. Okay. We are up for a podcast award this year, all right. Holy podcast holy. award people, thanks to nominees from our fans, from our listeners, people like you sitting at home right now mm-hmm. nominated us enough times to where we are in the cultural arts category mm-hmm. and uh, th- we're <laughs> up against we're one a of those things stiff competition yeah we are. this year. I mean, we've got the NPR comedy Happy Hour or whatever it is. We're up against yeah. that. We're up against Ira Glass's This American Life, also from NPR. Mm-hmm. We're up against um, uh, Tom and Veronica's Sword and Laser. They're part of the Fro- Frog Pants Network. Yeah. Um, and then a couple of others. An anime one that's won mm-hmm. in the past, and there's like 10 of them in our category. Yeah, a lot. In order for us to win this, we're going to need your help. And over the next 15 days, as soon as the voting opens on the 1st, we'll give you all the information you need to where you can... Help us out. Vote for us. Help us win this award. It'd be great for us to win it. Um, you'll be able to vote once a day for 15 days from November 1st to November 15th. <laughs> I will put out a special um, post on the podcast feeds about this. We'll put it up on the website. We'll put it out on the Twitter verse, all the places that we do our social networking uh, so that you can go out and vote for us and take us to number one. And. And, and beat that smelly NPR, because, you know, National Public Radio, they're loaded. Yeah, yeah. man. Poor little got, us over take, here.
5: Taking all that government just, cheese and yeah. yeah. all of themselves. Three fat guys and a hipster.
3: Speaking of I cheese, speaking of cheese, we watched Dungeons & Dragons the other day, Rodrigo. Mm-hmm. Not only did we watch Dungeons & Dragons, but you and I and D&D Brian and Rob sat down and recorded a bonus track about Dungeons & Dragons. We did. This is one of those things, listeners, if you haven't checked them out, we've got several of them up on the uh, members-only uh, site. But uh, we sit down and we watch the movie and we provide commentary. Sometimes it is awesome, insightful thoughts about uh, Star Wars and the nature of the Jawas. Other times it's us moaning and screaming for <laughs> an hour and 45 minutes as Tom Baker offers a jelly baby to a wounded paladin.
1: Mm-hmm. Other times it's Rob.
3: How do you get these bonus you, tracks? Robbie. How do you get these bonus tracks, you ask Zach? How do you get these bonus tracks, Stephen? I'm glad you asked, Zach. All you have to do is head over to members.majorspoilers.com. A two, a five, or $10 a month um, membership mm-hmm. will get you access to a lot of great things. In some cases, it could be original art from Critical Hit. It could be a bonus podcast for our Silver members. Or, of course, you could be part of our once-a-month m- live stream for our Gold members. We had a lot of uh, fun times this last time. I thought that went really well. We played uh, Magic the Gathering, speaking yeah. of the Magic yeah. Minute podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you can go check the archive over at the, uh, VIP site. It's members.majorspoilers.com. And we want to thank everybody for supporting us, helping us defray the cost of, of doing shows and websites and all of this good stuff. And, uh, that's us giving a little back, a little bit back to you. All right. Uh, news is done. That means it's time for reviews.
6: Reviews.
3: This week, I was going to watch a movie, but then my two terrors. The two terrors decided that they would uh, run and scream and jump and yell and fight and push and shove and uh, bleed and cry and break uh, for the entire 96 minutes. It would have taken me to watch Necessary Evil Supervillains of DC Comics that uh, Warner Brothers uh, sent to us just the other day. Instead, I had a chance to watch this other movie a lot of people are talking about, Man of Tai Chi. Directed by Keanu Reeves. That's why everybody's all excited about this. Directed oh. by Keanu Reeves, starring Keanu Reeves. Uh, it is uh, set in China, and it follows this uh, kid. I forget what his name is. He's actually a fairly well-known uh, martial arts. Tiger Chun, I think, is his name. Mm-hmm. Tiger Lee Chun. Um, he did a lot of the stunt work in Matrix Revolutions and, and uh, some of those movies. Ooh. A good martial arts uh, expert. And he just plays one of these uh, Tai Chi masters. He's learned all these years. And against his master's wishes, he goes to compete in a martial arts competition to prove that you can use Tai Chi to defeat any other um, style style that's out there. And, of course, he wins, and everyone's cheering for him. And his master's like, you know, your anger is going to get uh, the better of you, and it's going to lead you down a dark path. Enter Keanu Reeves, who watches all of these people fighting around the world and invites them to participate in basically a blood sport, blood sport type competition. Yeah. Combat! and so he's just basically told hey you come we'll fly you here to i think they go to hong kong mm-hmm. um a mysterious so, island no no mysterious island but he does go into a room and basically they're broadcasting these fights out to the world illegally uh to these pirate networks and people are gambling and betting on uh our hero and uh, keanu reeves character is just this evil guy that just wants to f- have these guys fight for no reason and he's got some pretty powerful uh martial arts moves himself Um, But this guy just doesn't know that he's being broadcast out to the world. He thought this was a private fight for whoever was behind the big uh, two-way glass uh, mirror. And so he's just demolishing people left and right. Of course, this causes problems with his master. And then when he finds out what's really going on, he wants out. But he's in too deep, as they say. Oh, no. And it leads finally to a confrontation between him and
4: uh, Keanu Reeves. And then Bison. Yes. Yes.
3: (laughs) Um, Raul
1: Juliet chewing this
3: scene. There's a lot of uh, wire work that goes on in the last uh, 15, 20 minutes and a lot of slow-mo stuff. So it looks like Keanu Reeves has a lot of power behind him. And he's kind of bulked up for this movie. He looks a lot thicker than what uh, we've seen him in the past. Mm -hmm. Um, It's an okay movie. It's not something that you're going to maybe watch again and again and again. Mm -hmm. I mean, the guy eventually finds his balance with the uh, the force and uh, defeats the bad guy. Uh, not before his. I think his girlfriend gets killed. Oh no! Yeah, that's kind of bad part. But oh well. It always happens. It does happen in those kind of movies. I, you know, when I first started watching this, the way it was edited together, I thought that this was a Chinese movie because all the the Chinese um, Chinese actors speak in the native language, so it's all subtitled, and then Keanu Reeves speaks in English, and the way that they were editing this movie together for like the first thirty minutes. I was thinking they took a Chinese movie and just edited in Keanu Reeves (laughs) doing parts because it'd be like the guy would come in and sit down at a desk and you wouldn't see Keanu Reeves behind the desk and then they'd cut you know, they do a reverse shot, and then there's Keanu Reeves doing his part in a medium close-up, and then they cut back to the other guy responding. And it's like, this is really weird. And then finally they're in a two-shot together, and you're like, oh, thank God that they didn't edit it that way. But for the first, first 30 minutes, that's how it felt.
4: They didn't know if uh, Keanu Reeves was going to be available, so... Yeah, uh. well, he directed this piece, so... Yeah, that's how, that's how bad his schedule was.
3: Um, it's it's not a terrible movie, it's not a great movie, but it certainly falls within the realm of a lot of the, uh, the martial arts movies that I've been watching off of iTunes as of late. I think this is in theaters now or just about to be in theaters or just leaving theaters. Uh, but what's cool is iTunes oftentimes will have these movies that are in theaters now. You saw it with the dirties mm-hmm. and um what's the one you just watched the other day? I oh, the way way back is what I watched the other day, was another good one.
5: Oh yeah.
3: Um but uh so that's one of the advantages of watching some movies on iTunes. I think it's if you're into martial arts, it's not the worst movie you're gonna see, right? Um, but it's also not the best, but it's entertaining. And if you like Keanu Reeves and, and you like some uh, uh, modern-day wushu magic, then it's then it's all in there. Uh, I'm going to give this one three and a half slices of meatloaf. Man of Tai Chi, available now on the iTunes. Does
5: Keanu Reeves surf or wear sunglasses at any point in the
3: movie? Uh, I think he wears sunglasses at one point in the movie, and he drives... Um, some Lamborghini Tesserosas. Good. And he's just evil and vile and wicked. But he he, does wear
5: sunglasses. At
3: one point he does, but it's not like when he's fighting.
5: It might be worth watching then.
3: He doesn't wear any long black robes or Mm. long coats, Mm. but uh, you can tell that he's evil. He almost sometimes looks like the devil.
4: Does he pretend to play a guitar? (laughs) No. And... And uh sound effects thing or happen. There
3: are a few times where they, I think, treat it to make his eyes look super dark. Mm-hmm. So it looks like it's just totally blacked out, mm-hmm. like he is the devil, and you're making this deal with the devil. So that's kind of interesting. But interesting. again, Man of Tai Chi, go check it out if you want. He's all
5: over the well, He's got the four, he's Well, as I said, that the, you know, the
3: 47 out. Ronin is coming yeah, up. Yeah, and that's yeah. why I said, well, let me go check and see this movie, because I know 47 Ronin has a comic tie-in. I know a lot of people yeah. have been talking about Man of Tai Chi uh, as his directing uh-huh. um, martial arts stuff. So give it a check out and uh-huh. give our listeners a, a chance to go, go see a movie. Uh, last week from Marvel Comics, Uncanny Avengers number 13. Matthew, what would that be about?
1: Uncanny Avengers number 13. So it's number 13 of the Uncanny Avengers. For those who were not aware, Uncanny Avengers was part of the Marvel Now Relaunch, one of the 37 Avengers titles. And coming out of Avengers versus X-Men, it's designed to be a united front of Avengers and X-Men. So the team consists of an equal number of mutants and an equal number of guys who were Avengers, if you count the Scarlet Witch as both, which is very important. But fascinatingly, and I think this is this is the best thing that Rick Remender has done with this book, the leader of the Uncanny Avengers is Havoc, Alex Summers, Cyclops' little brother. People at the comic store said to me, that's terrible. That's stupid. Why would he lead if Captain America is there? That's dumb. To which my response is, I think that's excellent. It is a great idea. It's time for someone other than Captain America to be the leader. That doesn't mean that Captain America can't be a driving force. So in this issue, we have built up to a point where Rick Remender, as a writer, has written a lot of stuff for Marvel and... He has this old school style where no matter what book he takes over, he brings his themes with him, which I think is wonderful because it brings kind of an overarching arc to the Marvel universe. Uh, Back when he was writing X-Force, he had a story about the twin children of Apocalypse. Now, a couple of years later, the twin children of Apocalypse have taken over the world with the help of Kang. They have broken up the Uncanny Avengers, or at least split them up. And they have resurrected the Four Horsemen of Apocalypse. If you haven't been aware, the Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse are Daken, Son of Wolverine, a Banshee of the X-Men, the Sentry, and the Grim Reaper, the half-brother of Wonder Man, who's also a member of the squad. So they've been dealing with some really weird stuff in terms of their villains. These are all resurrected characters. And Remender plays with all of the interactions and all of the familial bonds that these characters have built up over the last 50 years. But the stuff that he does outside of those bonds, the building of the new relationships is what really sells this issue for me. The Wasp and Havoc are flirting, which I think is just too charming for words. Captain America, after being attacked by Banshee, spends this whole issue deaf So he's like, I think they went that way. Yes, Cap, we can hear you. (laughs) And the Wasp uh, comes over and flirts with Havoc and then flies away. And Captain America's like, she likes you. (laughs) It's an awesome running gag throughout the issue. And it's exactly what you'd think it is. I think they went that way. Hey, they went that way. But as the issue builds up, it builds to the revelation that the Apocalypse Twins are trying to turn the Avengers against each other. The Scarlet Witch and Wonder Man, who are now supposedly working for Apocalypse, although the Scarlet Witch seems to have something up her sleeve, are a relationship. They're in a relationship. They're a couple again, which I think is pretty wonderful. And as the issue ends, Rogue and Sunfire, who are both former X-Men, find Wolverine essentially dead. Now, being dead when you're Wolverine isn't really that big of a deal, but as the issue closes, Wolverine, who doesn't know the whole story, tells Rogue that she has to find and kill the Scarlet Witch. And Rogue absorbs his powers and his little bone claws and rushes off with her claws out, ready to find and murder the Scarlet Witch. Fade to black. So we're setting up you know, the, the conflict. I don't know if this is one of the titles that's going to be ending and relaunched through the Marvel now to Electric Boogaloo. But I will say this, I was pleasantly surprised over and over by this book to the point where I wasn't picking it up and issue one was okay and I dropped it and then I went back and read what I missed and I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. And then I started looking at it and eventually it came back to my pull list and this issue shows exactly why. It's a superhero story with great character work. It's got a great plot and an overarching set of themes. We've got 10 heroes, everybody gets a little bit of time, but the people in this issue who get their special moments, who get that little extra bit of examination, I guess is for a lack of a better word, really come across as strong characters with years and years of backstory and interactions between them. Another reason why, you know, if Marvel is going to go and do the the rumored revamp launch and start everything fresh... I'm going to be a little disappointed. This is a four slice of meatloaf affair. This is an excellent book. Um, the interiors are done by Daniel Acuna, whom I happen to love. Some people can take him or leaving, but Uncanny Avengers number 13 is an excellent book. And I'm actually, it's back on my pull list now and probably going to stay there. This is a good.
3: One. All right, Zach, uh, we have Superman yes. number 24. Yeah. Also, last week, this time from DC Comics. Yes, DC, as opposed to the last time when it was on another company's list.
5: Right. It uh, it just moved to DC recently. I right. Think. Yeah. West Coast DC. Right. 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 Tupac, Biggie, all that good stuff. <laughs> um, so we've been re- we've read a couple trades of Superman recently. So I was I was perusing my online digital comic store this week. I said, Hey, I kind of like those stories from Superman. Let's see what's happening. So I jumped in and grabbed Superman number twenty four. Did not know this was the end of a, uh, a little arc thingy called the, S- the Psy Wars. So jump in and Superman's unconscious. Lois Lane's blue. There's this guy with a weird mask on called the pirate. and He's shooting snake things out of his hands. Lois Lane has psy- psychic abilities. Hector Hammond is here with a giant head. And some really scary lady called the Hive Queen. She kind of looks like Predator. But with all of her veins showing. And she looks like she throws up lava. So this book was really weird. Really weird. Uh, This pirate guy, he, psychic ability, takes control of everyone, metropolis. And he's trying to create a new metropolis, essentially, where Superman isn't around. Everything's better because Superman's not there. Uh, Takes control of their minds. Makes them attack each other. Destroying the city. It's crazy times, but Superman, Lois, Hector, and scary predator hive queen join up and take the pirate out. It was pretty cool. I liked what they did. The big hook that got onto me was in the solicits. They said, uh, and Superman finds out something. Hold on. Let me just read it. One of the people closest to Superman becomes a casualty and then cometh the Oracle to tell Superman that Krypton lives once more. I said, hey, that should be interesting. Uh, I'm not really sure. Uh, I mean, Lois does get hurt. Technically, she would be the casualty, but it's pretty much like, oh, no, she'll be fine. But the big thing with Lois is she finds out who Superman is once again.
0: <gasps> yeah.
5: And it's this great moment of they've defeated this pirate guy. Uh, Superman's there. Try to help her out as she like loses all of her energy from saving everyone and being awesome and stuff. And she's like, "Oh, your voice! How did I never know you talk just like Clark? This was so stupid. I am a horrible reporter." <laughs> and he says, "No, Lois, you're a brilliant reporter. But more than that, next panel, holding hand interlocked, mind you. That's a big. That's a big detail. You are, oh, you are what you've always been. Next panel, clasp the fingers, my best friend. No, that's stupid." They should be, like, dating. You you don't interlock fingers with your friends.
3: But you know Superman and Wonder Woman are getting it on, right?
5: Oh, well, he is emotionally attached to Lois Lane, and he needs to tell Wonder Woman right away, because that is cheating.
3: (laughs) Wow. (laughs) it's like Jimmy Carter. I have sinned in my mind and all.
5: I had lost it. I was super disappointed. I was like, oh, stupid DC editorial saying people can't be married and it should be Lois and Clark. Man, they should kick them out of New York. Yeah, leave town, scumbags, and go to (laughs) California with all your medical weed (laughs) and, like, (laughs) equality for people and stuff. Just go there. (laughs) Man. And then the Oracle, then it really comes, it's like... A force-attracting Superman, pulling him off the planet, he can't stop. Well, oh, he's Superman. He can, He should be able to stop. Uh, and then it's just, narrator, what in the world or the universe is happening to Superman? Make sure to pick up Action Comics Team number two for the first part of The Return of Krypton. You can't put it in this list it's and just give it to me as the announcer voice at the end. It's not cool.
4: No, you're right. That would be... That would be like saying, like, um... Putting it in the trailer that somebody gets their heart ripped out, um, for a Temple of Doom. No, yes that is when somebody gets yes. heart. Yeah, it's yeah. For a crap, it's the first one. Damn it, Raiders of the Lost <laughs> Ark. of the Lost Ark. I just totally. That, that would have been an awesome joke. <laughs> no, had it actually had actually fallen in into place.
1: Uh, it's, it's still good. I feel yeah.
5: You like the
4: art?
1: Yeah, I did. Clark looks really,
5: really young. Which was kind of weird. I mean, it's consistent throughout that he just looks really young, but he does look really young, like twenty. Your, your you know, age, like young. twenty young. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So that was that was. I mean, it was just odd a little bit, uh, but it was a cool issue. It was a lot of weird stuff and like weird psychic stuff. Um, not what I was I expecting going into it, but I enjoyed it. Actually, I think made me very emotional. I
3: think writer Scott Lobdell actually does live in California because he's friends with our friend um, Jason, who does Jason reads comics for us every week. So he's already out there smoking the weed. This is This is written by
5: Mike Johnson, though. Superman twenty
3: four, according to my solicits. That's interesting because the one I got off the website has something totally different. Really?
5: Yes, uh, there was the show. credits say written by Mike Johnson, pencils well, by Eddie Barrows, inks by So DC Eber can't Ferrier. even get their own website. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> there was there was a late change on that.
5: All that well. New York pollution sinking into their websites.
1: What's uh, the bottom line here, uh, it was like, I'm interested. I might actually pick up
5: Action Comics number two, which would be crazy because this is the first DC comic I've bought in a while. But yeah, I'll give it uh, three slices of meatloaf.
3: All right, cool. Now let's bring this full circle, Rodrigo.
4: Full circle. We started out talking about the man of Tai Chi. Yeah.
3: And let's wrap it up with the man, the myth, the legend, Bruce Lee.
4: Yes. The man of yeah. Jeet Kundo.
3: Yes, Jeet Kundo.
4: Um. So I picked up Tribute. Bruce Lee, why from... You, why do you do this to yourself? Uh, from oh. Blue Water. Uh, I do this, I I suppose when you say, what do, I do, why do I do this to myself, what you're actually referring to is, why do I wait until the last minute to pick up a comic to read, go through the uh, stuff that the writers have picked out and realize that everything's already taken? <laughs> um, I think that's what you're asking. Well, that, that too. It's been a busy week for me. I understand. So I uh, I sat down three seconds ago to read uh tribute Bruce Lee. Um and, and here's the thing about it. Bruce Lee died a good long while ago. Yes. And his story is very well known. Yes. Therefore, it actually makes for a pretty informative straight up comic which is what these are what these blue water comics tend to be it's just very important when when the person is still alive and things are still up in the air and they don't want to piss anyone off Mm -hmm. they come a lot of the time these comics come out very like they come out as like they, they feel like softballs they're not you know they're not going into the issues they're not going into the details right right um but you know for for people that are no longer living, there's not that much of an issue. And especially with someone like Bruce, Bruce Lee, where, you know, any any indiscretion that he might have had was entirely minor considering his gigantic kick-ass career. Right, right. Um, there, it, it's a pretty safe bet. So this comic actually is pretty dense, and it just walks you from beginning to end through Bruce Lee's life. And it's actually pretty decent. The art is okay. There aren't, there's not too many, too many issues with it. Um, The everything is very straightforward. Um, A lot of the time, these use kind of uh, gimmicky little uh, framing devices. This does, but immediately abandons it. Oh, really? Yeah. It starts out as like, oh, welcome to the amazing new interactive Bruce Lee Museum where you can live the history. And then they just tell (laughs) you the story. And like you never see any of the people who went into the museum like interacting with it, and then because I th- they went in and never came out, <laughs> and like and it says like oh these new super advanced holograms will even let you fight Bruce Lee is like well th- are these people going to die? <laughs> is this is this a, a like the coolest possible way to commit suicide? <laughs> um. So and then it just a very straightforward biography of Bruce Lee. Uh, like I said, the art is okay. Um. Some of the pictures look like Bruce Lee. Some of them don't terribly look like Bruce Lee. Yeah. Uh, but generally speaking, it's just that. I mean, it it is like a, just a very straightforward biography of Bruce Lee, which is okay. I mean, it's okay to read. So I'm going to give this straight up down the middle two and a half slices of meatloaf. It's, you know, art is okay. Story is obviously okay because it's just, you know. Enter just, the dragon. Yeah. It's, well, dragon. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, Except there's no like mysterious phantom warrior, which I seem to recall it was in, yeah, in Dragon. Dragon. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Well, they, they may have made that part up. Yeah, I think they I think they definitely <laughs> made that part up. Um, and yeah, two and a half's not too bad, right? I mean, it's two and a half is low for a comic starring Chuck Norris, but <laughs> um, but he only has a bit part in it, so two and a half. All right.
3: Uh, listeners, you can head over to major spoilers.com. You can check out more reviews from many of our staff members, uh, including, oh, I don't know. How about a look at creepy number 63 from 1974, or maybe, uh, you can, uh, read up on, uh, the amazing new X-Men's, or if you are looking for something truly unique, uh, you might want to check out the next dueling review, which comes out on Mm -hmm. Wednesday, actually Wednesday morning this week. Because yeah. we got an advanced look at the Fox Number One from Archie Comics, and Matthew and I sit down and do a dueling review on that, so you can check that out. Is right the mystery
5: solved, though? <laughs> Is the mystery solved, Stephen? Yes, we do we find out what the Fox says.
3: The show
1: without that, joke.
3: but um, <laughs> it's not what you think. Ah, uh, so yeah. all of that Spark. over it. All of that at majorspoilers.com. It is. It is. It is actually like a little chirpy bark. Yes. <laughs> All right. Uh, for the last couple of weeks, we be we have been doing a Doctor Who villains. Time to have them battle okay. once more in round three as part of our Doctor Who poll of the week.
7: It's wibbly wobbly
1: timey wimey. I had to do
3: it. This week uh, we are pitting the Cybermen against the Black Guardian. Black Guardian, you say? Who is this? strange-sounding fellow.
1: The anthropomorphic personification of entropy itself.
3: Man, he first appeared in my favorite Doctor Who arc, The Key of Time.
1: The Key of Time, yeah, It's
3: like a 16-part series where Tom Baker is traveling the universe trying to find these little bits and pieces of a key of time to bring back mm-hmm. to the White Guardian, who is the personification of order. Turns out it was the Black Guardian in disguise. But the oh, Doctor wow. knew ahead of time and defeated him lickety split.
1: The Black Guardian also planted Vislor Turlo on the TARDIS during the fifth Doctor's life. And it was the first time that a companion was actively trying to kill the Doctor.
3: And I'm pretty sure that it's the Black Guardian, is why we have Bizmarque. The other one is the Cybermen. These guys mean. who. Are once human, but are replacing their parts with cybernetic uh, implants and whatnot. So they're still kind of human on the inside. Mm-hmm.
1: They're cyborgs,
3: not by mm-hmm. much though.
1: They were not really. They're, they're Mondasian from the planet Mondas. They're humanoid. Yeah, but they're cyborgs. Humanish.
3: Yes. But so, cyborgs. if you had the two in an indol battle, Rodrigo, who would win in this fight? The
1: Black ah. Guardian
4: or a Cyberman? I gotta say as as much as i like the cyberman the black guardian is you know probably bound by certain rules but pretty much omnipotent mm-hmm. in, in a lot of ways so i think it would be difficult for the for the cyberman to um to really dent him considering uh, on top of that that the cybermen are very uh, aside from the mild sneakiness of of Kidnapping people and taking out their yeah, brains. Yeah. They're yeah. actually really straightforward. Yeah. 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 So Col- I don't Col- I don't know that Col- they'd be able like, first off, this guy is smart enough to say trick a time lord for any amount of time. Mm-hmm. I think that they wouldn't really stand a chance before the fight started. This guy would have probably already put something into effect to screw them over. Uh, OK, Zach, what about you?
5: Uh, well, once again, I did not know any of who these people are, but I read their descriptions And then came with my answer, and my answer is this, Black Guardian on technicality. In the description of the Cybermen, it says they are a fictional race, while the Black Guardian (laughs) never mentions that he is fiction. Ah, I see. Thus, being alive and real,
4: he wins. (laughs) Wow, right. you're you're gonna give it to the Black Guardian on account of the <laughs> oh, a Wikipedia article not following the standards of Wikipedia. Uh,
5: wow. Wikipedia, I hold to a
1: higher standard than that. All right. All so right. basically, what you're saying is you're you're giving it to Strunk and White in a in a battle, is what yeah. you're saying. Sure,
3: Matthew, who okay. are you voting for?
1: Well, this is a difficult one for me, and you know when we were having the discussions of of how the brackets went. This I think to me is probably our wild card battle because what you're looking at is the living and embodiment, the living personification for lack of a better word of chaos versus an army that tries to enforce order. I mean the Cybermen want everyone to be identical and everyone to be part of the cyber army. And we will delete and the, you know, the walking and the, the glavin and the cracking around and the doing the Borg theme 30 years earlier. But it, it, it becomes difficult because as you know, with last week, we had two armies, but I think people were leaning towards the Daleks because of the Daleks superior power. In this case, I do believe that the Black Guardian is more powerful than even an army of Cybermen, be they Mondasian Cybermen or Cybus Industries Cybermen. But I believe that the endless, endless hordes of Cybermen will, in fact, eventually overwhelm even Chaos. Now, I don't think they'll ever kill the Black Guardian, but I think they'll tick him off to the point where he retreats back into his little Chaos dimension, or as, as we like to call it, under my kid's bed. Where he will, you know, lick his wounds and try and stick another crazy redhead on the TARDIS. So I went with the Cybermen.
3: Mm. Okay. I went uh, with uh, the Black Guardian. I mean, he is the uh, embodiment of, of pure evil and, and chaos. And uh, what breaks down machines faster than chaos? Uh, so, dirt. Children. Yeah. yeah, children, dirt. That's <laughs> children. all chaotic. All chaotic right there, Rodrigo. <laughs> so therefore, I went with the Black Guardian. How did the rest they of the Major Spoilers, Spoilers Nation Plans. vote? Well, in fact, some of the people said, as dangerous as the Cybermen are, they are a known and physical threat that can be dealt with. The Black Guardian, on the other hand, is a personification of chaos. Well, it seems that he must act through others to achieve his goals. The power and influence he wields is undefined and potentially far, far greater than anything an army of Cybermen could bring to bear. Uh, boy, I think that sums it all up. No, I'll take the agent of entropy and chaos over a legion of emotionless metalmen any day. The Cybermen are yeah. limited physical creatures. Where the Black Guardian is something more. As cool as the Cybermen men are, I don't think they would stand a chance. Um, I'm trying to find somebody.
4: I think I think Pierce has the, oh, the yeah. best pro Cyberman argument. Uh, I expect the Cybermen to win on name recognition. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, Pierce go. has been here before. Yep.
4: There you go. All right, Matthew, have the rest of the n-
3: nation vote.
1: Right now, fifty-five percent. To 45, 55% favoring the Cybermen, 45% the Black Guardian. This is as close a Doctor Who villain battle as we've had so far. And, I mean, we're talking a, a difference of maybe six or seven votes. If you want to jump in and vote right now, Faithful Spoiler, right, as you listen to this show, you may actually be able to turn the tide. Although, since we've already talked about it, it may be too late. You never. Oh,
3: know. you never know, but your vote does count. That's true. Just like in those podcast the awards, people. every vote <laughs> counts. That's
1: right. How we're, the future vote people early, vote, vote now. often, as they say in Chicago.
3: As the as the vote stands now, you could have an influence on future polls of the week. Majorspoilers.com is where you want to go. The link is right there in the show notes. And uh, while you are over at Majorspoilers.com, perhaps you want to pick up our trade paperback that we're talking about this week. Five weapons from uh, Image Comics. You want to pick that up in trade paperback form, the first five issues. All you got to do is click on the Amazon.com link. It'll take you to the store. You can buy it. Cost you the same amount of money, Zach. Yep. A little bit comes our way. Helps keep the lights on for yet another week. Thanks, everybody, for helping us out. It's Amazon.com. That link right there at Majorspoilers.com. Let's take a quick break. Let's listen to a review of, I think we're listening to a review of Ender's Game
6: coming out just around the corner. And Cat Halo has a look at that for us right now. Greetings and salutations, major spoilers. It's just me, Cat Halo, back with a few movie thoughts. Well, it's more like one movie and a few thoughts on it. Ender's Game. I really liked this movie, and I suspect I liked it more than I should. Now, I've not read the book, so I can't attest to the accuracy of this adaptation, but this is a good, fun movie. The kid playing Ender, who was also Hugo in Martin Scorsese's Hugo, is brilliant and embodies the mega-smart Ender, perfectly harrison ford is also very good playing a prick for want of a better word the rest of the cast are grand but this is Aja's movie the story is solid and plays out well and the zero g battle scenes are brilliant with at least one genuinely heart poundingly awesome moment so orson scott card is still by all accounts a mega bigot and his shenanigans are not to be encouraged However, don't let that put you off. If you can get past him getting a few pennies from your ticket, then check this movie out. It's way more fun than I expected, and I strongly recommend it. And now, as you listen to my dulcet tones, I will have seen Thor 2. A mate of mine went to the premiere and says it's Marvel's best movie yet, and this guy loved the Iron Man flicks. Off the back of that, I am even more excited than I was this day last week. Oh, and one other thing. Um, I booked my ticket for November 23rd. Yeah, that's right. Doctor Who's 50th anniversary episode on the big screen in 3D. I am incredibly psyched for this. It's going to be awesome and i will leave it there and my enders game review should be up in the next day or two and my thor 2 review will be up very shortly behind it so check out major spoilers.com over the next couple of days and read them also if you're interested cat halo movies on facebook at cat halo movies on twitter that'll do it guys take care of yourselves have a great week
7: hey guys this is clay i have a question for you or actually more of a comment i guess uh, over the years, whenever you've done your trade paperback reviews, you've covered a lot of you know really well-known writers like Neil Gaiman and Grant Morrison and whoever the heck it was that wrote Shadowhunter. But there's one name that I can't help but notice that you guys I don't think have ever really done a review of, and that's Larry Hama, better known as the writer for uh, the GI Joe series uh, for for the most uh, of the issues that, that Marvel put out. And uh, I think that would be a good thing for you guys to tackle is IDW has put out a ton of those, uh, probably the whole series by now. But I think if you tackled the first trade paperback and see what Larry Hama did when he was given a property that he could have just done, you know, uh, just kind of, you know, given it, you know, a half-hearted effort, but he really tried to take it and, and, you know, build something, build a universe that had, you know, some kind of heart and made some kind of sense. And uh, I think it's something that, you know, it it would probably easily be, you know, scoffed at because it's just a toy line, but uh, it had a lot of heart. Uh, I think, Matthew, back me up on this, right? Thanks, guys.
3: Thank you for that uh, participation, for the person who called in, and, of course, Cat Halo with his movie reviews. Listeners, if you want to participate in the Major Spoilers podcast, all you need to do is call the Major Spoilers hotline. Matthew, that number is... 785-727-1939,
1: 785-727-1939, the major spoilers, gun, blade, stick, or punch him in the face Hotline. So before
3: we get to uh, Five Weapons, Making the Grade, the first trade paperback of the Five Weapons series, I want to mention our good friends Tweaked Audio. TweakedAudio.com, It's where you want to go if you want to get a pair of groovy headphones. Whoa. A lot of different colors, a lot of different styles. I wish they put out like a rainbow-colored one,
4: mm-hmm. like Ooh. a
3: psychedelic rainbow one. Wouldn't matter because I'm sure that sound would still be excellent. You could still get some a microphone built in, so you're walking down the street and your phone call calls, or start having conversation with people, and people start looking at you funny, going, "Huh? You talking to me? No, I'm on the phone. Stop it." Happens to me all the time. Um, usually, it's me going, "Huh? What? <laughs> <laughs> huh? What? You talking to me? Shut up, man! I'm on the phone. Oh, huh? I see your tweaked audio headphones. You must have got those thirty percent off by using the checkout code <laughs> major at tweakedaudio.com. We thank them for their support. Five weapons making the grade. Uh, What happens when you are an assassin, a world class assassin, mm
1: -hmm.
3: or a family of assassins?
1: A a class, and
3: you got a kid that you want to join the family trade. Where do you send them? You can't send them to public school. Public school Uh, kids would kill them.
4: I don't know. It depends what public school you go to. That's he might saying, he might public. get a he might get a, might get better at shivving people if he goes to a public school. So I'm
3: saying the public school would kill him. No, you send your kid to Assassin Academy.
5: Ooh.
4: Or whatever it's called
3: in this book. I think it's called Assassin Hogwarts. Or it's called uh, Five Weapons. Five weapons? <laughs> yeah, Five Weapons Academy. Because there are five different groups of yes. uh kids that you can specialize in. You've got the uh the knives, the the clubs, the arrows, the specialized the weapons guns. and then the guns
1: special weapons. Yeah, the special
3: weapons. Those are the ninja class. So we take our young Harry Potter and we dump him into this magical world and we expect him to use his wit and skill to outthink every single one of the clubs as he ends up taking over the school. That's pretty much it, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. this feels, I mean, you you made the joke a minute ago, but multiple times while reading this I was like, man, this is like Harry Potter meets Morning Glories, the other great series from Image Comics about crazy high schools
1: yeah
4: also, sure. also, every anime ever, yes, sure, so yeah, Rodrigo, this what has is the uh,
1: very anime field
3: so. what's the story about beyond my uh, gross uh, oversimplification
4: of the story? yeah, your disgusting oversimplification your <laughs> 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 <I'm> hamburger. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, aside from that, the story is about a a young man making, uh, relationships and friendships and also a mysterious secret (gasps) that it turns out that he is not who he says he is. Also, nobody else.
1: It's who they say he is.
3: (laughs) And one by one, he takes down each of the presidents of the clubs, not by weapons, but by using his brains, just like that, uh, what's that other Harry Potter knockoff kid?
1: Percy Jackson?
3: Per, not Percy Jackson, the other one.
1: Uh, Jack Percyson?
3: No, 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 no. The, Woody uh, Woodpecker? Artima, Artemis Fowl. Uh. Oh. Artemis Fowl? Yes.
1: Did you just say that Artemis Fowl is a Harry Potter knockoff?
3: Sure, why not?
1: Oh, I get fault
3: I don't read those the things. The fans are
1: yelling at you right now, dude. Good,
3: because I don't read Artemis Fowl, so there, I got another credit back. Is it Bella? <laughs> yes, it's Bella. <laughs> <laughs> it's Bella. <definitely> Bella. <laughs>
5: Uh, And that's one of the things,
3: and and, and so you're thinking, okay, why would this kid who is impersonating someone who is not him, not who he claims to be, Mm -hmm. why would he join this academy and then not pick up a weapon and defend himself, learn a specialized trade? Why is that, Matthew? Why?
1: Because, my friend, he has something important that he's trying to earn from someone who has it. He has a plan, see, it's not just a plan to become the the leader of a particular club or to master a weapon. He's actually promised his father he won't master a weapon. He won't right. pick up a weapon. But there is one thing that he wants. He wants his parents' freedom.
3: Why are they
1: are they held captive by some evil force? Thereupon hangs a tale. I it's it's actually not a hundred percent clear to me unless I read past it, gloss past it. I believe his parents work for a very very evil man.
3: Yeah, I mean they mm-hmm. work for one of the their servants to the top of one of the top assassins in the world. Yep. The kid right. who sees him, he is impersonating, and yes. it doesn't seem like it's some kind of indentured servitude. I mean, it seems like they could quit at any time, but you know you I, knowing I who the top the
1: implication is that it is an indentured servitude situation
3: it, 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 i guess the yeah. implication would be if you decided to quit you would know too much about me and therefore yeah. you must die or you would have to yeah. go
5: back uh to mexico yeah is what it seemed like <laughs>
3: <laughs> and so uh there is actually a secret there is an assassin that's coming out to kill um Kill our main character's family, the kid that he's impersonating, Mm-mm. the uh, Slytherins, whatever the kid's name is.
5: The, 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 sh- the Shaolins. The Shaolins. Is that, what like? is that how you... Shane Lines. The the Shane lines.
1: lines.
4: That's
5: right. Yeah, that's what I totally meant. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what I was thinking of.
3: Wow,
1: we are offensive Something else. all over the place. The Shane Lines, I believe, is how it's pronounced. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, so
3: man. there is... And so the the sh- uh, the family is going into hiding, and so... They've convinced this kid to go and impersonate Tyler, Mm -hmm. uh, their son, at this school to draw the assassin out and to protect their family. And, of course, Tyler, the kid, um, what's his name, Um, Enrique, Mm -hmm. uh, agrees that he will do it, providing that if he succeeds, uh, the head assassin has to let his family go. Head assassin's like, okay, sure, no problem. Mm
4: Mm-hmm.
1: We have kind of given away the really, really big twist, by the way.
3: No, because the really, really big twist comes at the, at the very, very end when you solve the mystery. And this yeah. is why, again, it feels like a, a Harry Potter or Percy Jackson type story, because we're in the school. We're dealing with things that are far magical and far beyond anything that we could normally comprehend. Mm-hmm. And there's another mystery of why does the assassin want to kill the other assassin? And why does Principal O and no Nose Nurse... Why are they all trying to hide some bigger secret? And we find out what that bigger secret is. I believe her name
1: is. is No-No's Nanette.
3: We find out what that bigger secret is at the end of the issue, mm-hmm. which I think was a kind of an interesting twist in itself, but it almost defeated um, Enrique's argument about indentured being an indentured servant mm-hmm. and having his family be indentured servants. Um, but one by one, I think the, the clever part is, uh Enrique Enrique as Tyler defeats the president of each of these clubs, other uh high school kids, other kids his age, maybe a little bit older, using only his brains and the rules that are put forth, which I thought mm-hmm. was kind of clever. Um each issue ends with and I will defeat you. And then at you into your cliffhanger, you yeah, come yeah, back yeah, the yeah. next issue. Then he defeats the Rick the Stick or uh uh Nat the Gat yeah. or whatever his name was. Mm-hmm. Jade the Blade Jade the Blade, Loon Loon the Goon. June, the, June the, loon. the Loon. June the Loon. I'm oh,
1: sorry. The loon. loon the go- You are so bad at this. She Bang it. the clang twang. <laughs> <Yes. Yeah. laughs> Ring ding ding ding. That's my favorite one. They had to oh. figure out who the,
3: the battle was who put the bop in the bop shabop shabop and they right. had to figure out who that man was. <laughs> and they had to shake his yeah. hand. The first mm. one there would win. So, anyway, what did you guys think of this story? Zach?
5: I thought it was a nice kind of lighter story i mean we kind of went into a weird deep psychedelic hole last week so there's definitely layers to this story but it's not like anarchy over a government and death and destruction and mayhem amongst the whole world so if you want that you shouldn't read this but if you kind of want to watch some kids do some pretty cool martial arts stuff with some with some subtext and some and some pretty good plot behind it. And this is, is I enjoyed this read.
3: Did you think the story made sense or did it seem I mean uh, a school of a, a school well, for the kids yeah. of assassins with assassins heading, you know, their each club That's or kind whatever. of a leading
5: question. Did I did I... I mean but did
3: it, it seem it seem Believable enough, or was it just too far gone to be in La La Land? Or no,
5: no, it's believable enough. We read comics all the time. <laughs> <laughs> it's believable enough that
4: the, there are pictures and then little balloons yeah. with words in them. <laughs> I've um, seen this before.
5: <laughs> the, the only good kind of thing I had about it was like it kind of felt like... Oh, uh, like an eighties show or something where it had that all happy ending life lesson at the end. Mm-hmm. It was like the weird episode or any of those you know, kid episode T V shows now where a life lesson comes in at the end. Which was nice, but it certainly felt like an afternoon special kind of thing. In the last within the last like three pages. What about you, Rodrigo? What did I think of it? Yeah.
4: I kinda hated it. Really? Oh wow. Yeah. Why'd you hate it? Uh, uh a handful of reasons. Uh, first off, on the most superficial level, I was weirded out by the whole indentured servitude thing. Right? Yeah. Um yeah. I was weirded out by the, like, very specific choices to make some of the characters a particular Like, a, like an Indian with an arrow group. through her head? Yeah, an Indian. Indian with a, like, a, a squaw with an arrow through her head. Um. The exotic weapons trainer be wearing a burqa mm-hmm. um, the head of the gun club being a Hasidic Jew um, and and making specific references to how like if he didn't win a challenge specifically, like I think like his rabbi would be upset oh, at yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, would your rabbi be upset at him? At you at uh, the fact that you're an assassin and are training to murder people? I mean like th- there were things that were like really off putting yeah, yeah, yeah. about that, and it it worried me because it really seemed like in especially in this guy's case, they were actually just hats like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, here's a cool ethnicity for this guy to be. I'm going to put a turban on him. His name is still Dennis though. <laughs>
3: Um, yeah, I, I guess I could agree. I mean, this is a, to me, it was a story that was just kind of there. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, it moved through the plots, uh, points, but you kind of knew what was going to happen at the end. I will admit that the, the big end reveal of, you know, the big assassin guy, what his, what his backstory was, I thought was rather interesting and unique. Mm -hmm. Um, but otherwise I found it rather predictable.
4: Well, and, and the other thing is for me, I, I actually, this, this book, um, gave me gave me something very special, which is it it really made me realize that I hate this kind of story. i hate I hate this story that is like, um, and the hero wins by default, no, by rule minutia. Yeah, yeah. Mm. The hero wins because rather than doing by what... robbing the fight. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. This is this is this is a book in which the rather like the 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 hero rules lawyers his way to victory rather than doing what's the spirit of the thing. Mm-hmm. Um And I understand that it's like, oh, well, this guy doesn't want to fight. But it's like, but also, he's an assassin school. Right. And if you're saying that this kid is so good by not picking up a weapon, then what are you saying about all the friends he makes who are training to be horrible murderers?
3: The one thing about rules lawyering is Tim Ferriss, who has gotten kind of a big name for himself over the last couple of years as um, he does the... um, four day work week books and just life changing things, kind of like the modern version of Tony Robbins. He actually uh, uh, rules lawyered himself into the, some martial arts championship uh, because there was nothing in the rule book that said you couldn't push somebody out of the ring, you know, as one of the things you couldn't do. (laughs) And so he just would continue, even though he had hardly any martial arts skill, just, work himself around enough to where he get in a position to push these guys out of the rings. And the judges were like, well, there's no rule that says you can't do that. Winner, winner. And so he won the championship and by (laughs) this kind of rules lawyering, kind of like what's going on here, he actually changed how people fight this type of comp. I think it was, uh, what's the, the maybe it's Thai boxing, whatever that style. Oh, kickboxing? Yeah, kickboxing. Um, But, um, you know, he actually changed how people, Muay Thai, that's what it was. Uh, how he changed the nature of how people fought in this kind of competition. So it would be interesting since this is an ongoing series, I'm guessing mm. to see if anything mm. that he does has an impact on that. But I would agree with you that yes, it's rules lawyering instead of the spirit of the fight. Matthew, what about you? What did you think of this book?
1: Well, I'm a little troubled by the fact that we're bothered that they're in an the assassin school and they're all evil. And the guy who isn't the assassin is, is the problem. I kind of like this book. And I think I like it because of there is definitely some mean spiritedness behind it. Uh, Jimmy Robinson also does a uh, bomb queen. And if you've ever read bomb queen, it is basically unrestrained id. And it's to the point where bomb queen is really mean spirited and really unpleasant to read. And maybe going in with that expectation that, you know, Robinson's writing can be very snarky and very hard to kind of get past I, I think that may have given me an edge in, in dealing with the fact that the main character is that, that Sherlock Holmes, the Robert Downey Jr. Sherlock Holmes specifically the big jerk face who is you know your your Dr. House or whatever it is, the guy who comes in and says well clearly you didn't think of this that part I liked and I liked the fact that as inappropriate as many of these were in terms of the representation of the yeah, characters, the, the stereotype, the stereotypes never. It, it, Rodrigo's right; they are hats, and they're not necessarily intrinsic to the characters. But they never became the whole point. It was never. And here's our African American character, and here's our Jewish character. It's just, oh, look, here's somebody, and he does this, and he's just as big a jackwagon as everybody else. For me, the the likable portion of it is the fact that. Both of the mysteries are given a little bit of foreshadowing, given enough sense to where they, they make sense. And within these five issues with the arc that you get, the mysteries get satisfying conclusions with still some open endedness to where if they do turn this into an ongoing, ongoing, you won't have to, you know, come up with a whole new shtick the next time around. I think that the biggest problem that I had with it was, the fact that it was mostly character on the part of our central character. You get, you know, a Gabriel, who turns out to be Enrique or whatever his name is. He is really, not necessarily well-developed, but really given all of the character development in the series and given the expectation that he's the smartest person in any given room, hmm. which I kind of liked. And I like the fact that he was able to, go into what is ostensibly the school of assassins, which is probably a bad thing. You figure these people are maybe evil and didn't have to become as evil as whomever he's fighting against in order to to best them. I like that. Wait. Overall, it was kind of lightweight. It's not like a really deep story with lots of deep themes and meaningful emotional beats, but it's got some nice character to it. And you know, there's one girl who's missing an eye and one girl who's missing a nose, so that's ridiculous.
3: I, I guess I'm you, you mentioned the comment that everybody's evil. I don't know that everybody is evil. I think that they're just in their place. They're right?
4: They're killing. I don't know if assassins are necessarily evil. Well, they're, and the, They're this, paid well, to kill people. Well, this game this this game, this book doesn't, mm. doesn't tell you anything outside of the school. I mean, certainly some right? of the kids are are little d-bags well and that that's the thing is like the, the the book doesn't tell you anything that's going on outside of the school aside right. from like very little right um so like to a certain degree i gotta wonder why they're even called assassins because mm-hmm. i mean one of the five weapons is a club yeah. you know it's like mm-hmm. are those only the guys that you hire to like Make sure that everybody sees that they made a huge mess out of the person that you had them assassinate, right? Mm-hmm. Because you know, usually the idea of an assassin is someone who does something quietly, um, yeah, so that you don't, so that you don't have to, right? Right. right. Although I, I suppose an assassination could very well be a, a blunt force, you know, get in and, and bash everybody's heads in situation, beat, beat mm-hmm. them upside the head, right um so i like i I gotta wonder other than the the obvious um uh copyright infringement why this wasn't just a battle school
3: yeah Mm. yeah
4: i agree um
3: i i guess what i what kept again running through my head was i i so when it comes to matthew said there's two great mysteries uh that play out well i think the mystery of who um the the head assassin the famous assassin guy Mm -hmm. um the father i thought that was played out well but the tyler slash enrique mystery is given up in the first issue yeah yeah Yeah. and then kind of i don't know stupidly here this kid is supposed to be suave and has got it going on and knows how to defeat Mm -hmm. everyone with brains and then he's just thinking oh my i almost tripped up on that one i've got to watch myself and it's just seemed kind of ridiculous for him to be Stumbling over his secret again and yeah, it
5: felt like the the word bubbles were used very oddly at times, especially mm-hmm. right when they they give away who he really is, and then they start like just like throwing it in your face with these word bubbles that they really didn't need. they were explaining things that were perfectly uh, founded in in the art right, in, right, in the right. normal in normal speak, so why they resorted to word the thought bubbles at certain times was odd. Speaking of art, what did you guys think of the art? Matthew?
1: I like it. What about it? What do you mean, what about it? I like it. you want to <laughs> explain why? No, not really. Um, it, it has kind of an edge of, uh, Rodrigo mentioned anime. Mm-hmm. It doesn't necessarily look like anime. It looks kind of like a stylized animation type of feel for me. I felt like it was a, that was probably more consistent than the story in terms of the way the whole thing broke down. And I really like the consistency. I like the combat sequences when we got them. But I also like the fact that the combat sequences didn't feel like every other comic book you'd ever read. When you, you know, when you go and you've seen a comic book fight scene a couple of hundred times, it comes to a point where you say to yourself, how is this one going to be different? And I felt like they managed to make, At least enough unique stuff, especially with uh, the introduction of June the Loon, where Tyler Enrique finds himself talking to a snake. Then we pull back to a different perspective and you see that June is just kneeling out of frame, holding the snake up. I'm invisible. I really like that. I like the way it worked with the narrative and it gave us points where people would say one thing and the art would show us what was really going on. That was mm. kind of cool.
4: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, what about you, Rodrigo? I like the art. Um, I thought the character design was really strong despite my, uh, um, my concerns about the character design. I thought right. that the character mm-hmm. design was strong. Zach.
5: I was happy that Gail Simone got to be an assassin with a cool sword. <laughs> <laughs> But other than that, I thought it was really nice. It was really clean and just had a good look about it.
3: I think sometimes it seemed like um, too many of the characters started to look a lot a lot alike when you're mm. gen- drawing the mm. teenagers. They kind of all started to have the same nose, the same eye shape, etc. But the instructors were so much different. They were pushing yeah, that extreme distinct. of, yeah, of going on really to your cool. anime, ma- manga mm. uh, type characters where right. you had the big brute, muscly guy, the head of the uh, clubs and then the... Uh, the the old man that looks like he's all hunched over, but then can run a mile in a second if he has he looks, to.
4: He looks kind of like Jafar when he's pretending to be yeah, an yeah, old yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah that's run. right. Yeah, yeah.
5: That was one of my favorite moments is when that big battle in the last issue starts going and he like click clacks his cane and just <laughs> this huge gun unfolds. Like, yes, <laughs> old man. I am
3: prepared nice. for this. Uh, and I kind of <laughs> like the design. Guy. I like the design of, of Principal O Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. I thought it was really kind of cool, especially when you find out what's going on with her mirrored eye mm-hmm. and, and, you know, the other thing that was kind of cool from the art side was how when she took that disc off, how you never saw the eye what was right. underneath. Uh, yeah. What was underneath, uh, even though we're led to believe in towards the very end that, yes, indeed, she did lose the eye and there's not a fake going on.
1: There's a there's a terrible, horrible ruin. Yeah. just a big and, hole in her face, and it wouldn't be a teen plus book if they showed it.
3: And then, of course, um, Nurse Nancy or whatever her name is without the nose was an interesting she's, character because
1: she's just the nurse. Yeah. She, yeah, she's uh, just the
4: nurse, I think
3: she doesn't get much of a backstory explanation, except she was also one of the students that went to the assassin school, uh, five weapons Academy and met a terrible fate on one of her missions. Yeah. Um, but other than that, you really don't know what her powers are or what her specialty is or anything like that. So I, yeah, I think there's a few interesting characters from, from the art side. There's a, there's a few cool moments, uh, in the bit, I would be happy if this would have just been a five-issue standalone mm-hmm. as opposed to
1: Yeah, I now. think it was solicited as such and the sales were enough that they uh actually bumped it up to ongoing.
3: okay, because now as the way the trade ends, the real Tyler is jealous of Enrique's success mm-hmm. and he's giving yeah. him the old stink eye at the end of the issue.
1: Yeah, I thought that was weird. I'm I think that was that feels kind of tacked on as uh, a hook to the next half. Yeah. So. Oh,
5: I agree because it felt like that they so. were in in the flashbacks they sh- they showed were pretty close friends. Yeah, this book kind of thing.
4: This book sets a big precedent though for screwing with the with the narrative sure, structure sure, though. So sure. anything else could have happened in between. Well, but even that didn't in the, even involve Enrique. But even in the
3: flashbacks, it's very clear that Tyler or that Enrique was defeating Tyler every time that they were playing around with mm. stuff. Mm-hmm. And so it was just kind of like, well, he knows how good his friend is or his. Servant child is, and the servant just saved his family's life, so don't be jealous, right? I I guess,
1: yeah, tool,
4: yeah, kind
3: of,
1: yeah, but he's a tool. Hmm.
4: Bottom line for you, Rodrigo. Uh, bottom line for me, there were a lot of things, there's there's a couple of things about this I liked, and a lot of things that were either weird or I just straight up didn't like. Mm -hmm. So, I'm not, uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't particularly recommend this unless you dig the art or um, want to see someone uh, win a uh, fight in D&D because they actually understand the grappling (laughs) rules. Zach, what about you? So,
1: Rob.
5: I think I I enjoyed this, but I'm not really that interested in reading farther. I thought it was cool uh, for five issues, and I liked what they were able to do with the different kids and their weapons and such. But going forward, I I don't think uh, I'll be picking it up. If you can borrow it from a friend, maybe for an afternoon, give it a flip through. The art I like the art, and it's pretty cool to look at. But besides that, I think just borrow it if you have the opportunity. Mm. For me, I, I think it's the... I guess I've kind of
3: almost had enough over the last couple of years of the mysterious high school for kids. I mean, we've got this, it's Five Weapons Academy. We've got Morning Glories Academy. We've had, uh, what is it, Tower Prepper, whatever that was on the, uh, the TV show. We've had Harry Potter and Percy Jackson, all this stuff. And I guess I'm just kind of a little tired of that. I kind of like the hook. I think it's an interesting premise. I like what Enrique is doing, and I like the end reveal. Um, to me, this was a very average book. Um, there might be something in there that I think interests some of our readers, but overall, I'm just going to say, uh, eh, you know, if it sounds like what we've talked about interests you, then go give it a read. Uh, I bought it through comiXology, all five issues. Um, and it was, I think, worth that afternoon reading enjoyment mm-hmm. as that kind of alluded to, but otherwise eh, it's just an okay book. Matthew, wrap it up for us.
1: I think that with the exception of Rodrigo's absolutely valid points about the character, the possible uh, racist slash ethnic issues with the characters, I think you guys are reading this. You're, you're grading this a lot harder than I necessarily would. I think you're being really harsh on the book. But again, that's, you know, that's the nature of criticism. Everybody has their thing. I like it. I feel like it's a nice, it's a, it's a nice break from. I am Batman or your everybody is an Avenger. It's not necessarily the average kind of superhero story. And it, it may be that I've been avoiding a lot of the special teen in special school doing special things. With the exception of, you know, PS 283, which I happen to love. It comes down to the point where I didn't necessarily make a this is Harry Potter connection. I felt like there were a lot more other influences in play to say, okay, somebody elevator pitched this as Harry Potter meets X, so I like. Battle it. Royale. I wouldn't necessarily, yeah. yeah, I wouldn't necessarily recommend it to everyone. I think it's got it's got a strangely adult sensibility, and it's got a strangely coarse and maybe even crass sensibility underneath that kind of shows through in, you know, the character of Nat the Gat and the character of uh, Dennis, who has the turban. There's definitely something there that can be very mean-spirited and very harsh, but it feels successful to me. And I feel like the, you know, the story being told and the arc being told really kind of pulls me in and pulls off an enjoyment level, at least, you know, if you can get past any possible triggers. So, I would say, yeah, if you're if you're over eighteen and you're bored, you could definitely do worse than this. I like it.
3: I don't know if this is even a book that's over eighteen because the violence
4: is very much off-panel. The language is
1: not. You got to imagine that, like,
4: well, uh, yeah, and I, I think I, I could see that. I could see it dropping that to a, like a fourteen. Yeah, uh, uh, 12, 13. Yeah. yeah, because you're right. There's there's talk of killing people and there's right, talk right, right. of stuff like that. They are assassins, but you don't see anything, and they are kind of cartoon assassins. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. you, you, you know, there is. Oh, by the way, did you guys see the Final Fantasy Seven reference? Mm, no. no. There is a there is a kid when oh uh, with a giant knife uh, with yeah, like yeah, the yeah, giant, giant blade oh, oh. and it has like two little yeah, yeah. glowing stones on it. Yeah, yeah, I did see that in the
3: background. All right, cool. All right, thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Rodrigo. Thank you, Zach. You can find everyone. Uh, you can find Matthew at Mighty King Cobra. You can find Rodrigo at Fearsome Critter. You can find Zach at Z Wolf. You can find me at Major Spoilers all on Twitter. Or you can find us over at MajorSpoilers.com because that's where we hang out. And that wraps it up for this issue. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing with a friend. And thank you for being part of the Major Spoilers experience. Next week, we're going to tackle. I don't know how this is going to work out because it's such a huge volume of work, but we're going to tackle the first volume of Akira. Why? No because we know that you love comics. We do too. And we will talk with you soon. If you have any questions, comments, topic ideas for future shows, or would like to sponsor a show, send an email to podcast at majorspoilers.com. Visit Major Spoilers at majorspoilers.com and be sure to check out the Major Spoilers Forum. You can also follow Major Spoilers on Twitter at Twitter.com Major Spoilers.
2: If I had the x-ray vision of a Superman I could save some bucks and stand around And read through the covers of the comics on the rack And although every other page would be backwards, I suppose I could still read the evens and the odds Well, I don't know Guess I haven't thought this all the way through Plus, as soon as the comic book store guy knew It'd make me wait out on the corner What a major spoiler What a major spoiler I think I found a better way If I was Hulk and green or gray I could bust through that brick wall Take their comic books away But then the little me would deal With all the tanks and bombs and guns Have you tried to read a series With all that going on? Guess I need to rethink this plan How would you back and forth Your comics with such huge hands? Guess I already told ya What a major spoiler What a major spoiler What a major spoiler. Yeah, 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 yeah. What a major
4: spoiler. Major Spoilers is copyright 2013.